it's about getting into schools and talking to young people because you know I, I know that people can change uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever and we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there absolutely Hey there guys, we are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Hey, Jamie, do you like being cosy? I do. And do you like staying cosy? I like that even more. Then just head over to www.staycozyclothing.com where you can find hoodies, tees, sweaters and much, much more. And just enter The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And make sure you follow them on the Instagram at staycozyclothing to keep up to date with all the new designs. Remember guys, that's The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And now back to this week's episode. Hello, the internet. You all right? Hope you're all right. This is Matt Ricardo saying that you're listening to the Chronicles of podcast. Chopper tree down with my ass, boys. Welcome to hashtag WBW Way Back Wednesday. And these are the chronicles of Matt Ricardo. Why Matt this week, Jamie? Why Matt this week, you ask? Well, this Friday, we have the incredible competitive eater, Leah Shutkever, joining us on the show. So we thought, why not throw back to another person who is quite simply amazing and can do incredible things. I believe I say in the intro to this episode that make you go, what the fuck did I just say? (laughs) (laughs) He is the extraordinary gentleman, Mr. Matt Ricardo, who can throw a tablecloth straight off with everything still on and re-attach said tablecloth with everything still on the table, who can balance books off a knife in his mouth. Like, what? (laughs) Oh, I woke up one day and just go, do you know what I want to do with my life? I want to balance six books with a bo- with a glass of wine on top of, off, out of my mouth with a knife in my mouth. I, it's nuts. Unbelievable. I, I just don't get, like, they're incredible to watch. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love watching Matt's videos. But I just don't get where he gets these ideas from. It's Who incredible. looks at a plate of glass with some wine glasses on it and think, balancing that on the end of a knife sticking out of my mouth? Why the fuck not? Is it's just the and the man is lovely as well. 
he's really inspirational how he started out on the streets um, getting to be on America's Got Talent and smell the wonderful Terry Crews that put close and personal <laughs> um, I love that story so much but like fair play to Terry as well for letting him stab the knife through his fingers you oh, know yeah. in that, oh, insane Matt is quite simply extraordinary and I highly recommend that you go and check out his live shows. He's currently touring. He's been touring a lot in London. I'm doing quite mm-hmm. a few shows in London. Um, and he also has his podcast, which obviously happened after we interviewed him, which is called Imagination and Junk. So uh, go and subscribe and check that bad boy out as well. And the man is a fine owner of a collection of beautiful suits. Which oh, you will yes. see if you watch the YouTube for this episode. This interview is quite simply glorious. Um Matt was really forthcoming, really humble, and obviously his best friends with a wrestling legend yes. in William Regal as well. Um, so this 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 conversation goes takes all sorts of different routes and journeys, etc. So please come along for the ride. You could say his story is quite simply extraordinary. I like it, Jamie. Yes, sir. Any final words? Mr. Ricardo, you absolute legend. This was so much fun to talk to you. Hopefully we can get to do it again in the future and hopefully we get to see you actually live and do this thing in person. That People would, enjoy this one. That would be glorious. I'm sorry for almost cutting you off there, Jamie. Okay. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us. We loved every single second of it. Uh, we are so excited to re-release this on our new channel. Guys, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the Chronicles. Of Matt Ricardo. There he is. Hello there. Hello. How are we doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm all right. It looks, it looks like about to start a game, playing gaming <laughs> with the, with the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> what a phenomenal room, though. Oh, thank you. That's, so I'm just having a bit of a nose. Don't mind feel me. Free, feel free. Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's all the suits you were talking about on the. I noticed on your social media. That's, that's that's not even all of them. I bet it's not. Yeah, you know, you've got addictions. <laughs> Everyone's got I mean, their vices. I mean, you don't have to have addictions. That's not true. Don't quote me on that. You <laughs> <laughs> absolutely do not have to have addictions. That quote is going in the press. Drinking, drinking is fourth espresso of the day. <laughs> so you'll be absolutely wide in the next half an hour. It's like, oh, and this happened. I did this. I did... <laughs> yeah, see, this is where it takes to maintain the conscious me. <laughs> Well, thank Fantastic. you so much for doing this by the way my absolute pleasure thank you for asking me no worries yeah i remember i was listening to how to wrestling and they mentioned you and uh, i was like oh let's have a look i was like whoa okay we're talking about <laughs> man and this guy I, I i love how to wrestling i love those guys um i did yeah no i did um i did did their william regal episode because I happen to be yes, in the area did. and I'm friends with William Regal. So I went over and went with it. It was really fun. Now I'm looking at it. Did you do Billy Kirkwood's podcast during like, lockdown? Mm, hang on. Um, yes. yes. I knew you looked bloody familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I had to really <laughs> think about it. <laughs> I thought so. Um, but how we normally do these things is I do a little intro and then we just bombard you with questions. Sure. Sound good? Brilliant. Wonderful. Right, let's get going. Ladies and gents, today we have a very special guest of us. Today's guest is, quite frankly, an extraordinary gentleman. This man can do things which, when I watch, I hold my mouth open in disbelief and say things like, fuck off, no way, that's impossible. 
This man is a variety performer like you've never seen. He does stunts, he does tricks, he does magic, he does comedy. And on top of all of that, he has a mighty fine collection of suits. His talents have been seen all over the world, his street performances, cabaret, and even on America's Got Talent. Today, we welcome to Chronicles the extraordinary gentleman, Matt, with one T, Ricardo. Uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about, about being the person that inspires you to say, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> in the nicest way okay well all right <laughs> absolutely brilliant what trick what trick was that jamie was it just 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 in general it was the table the the, the, the double table off i'll never forget the first time i saw that uh, ah that old chestnut well it, yeah it's kind of i mean I, you know i hate to use this word but yeah it's kind of become my little sort of signature trick um to the point that it's been it's been stolen by other people now. So I feel that's a that's an achievement, isn't it? Yeah, well, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I saw that um, a postman. Uh, I saw it on Twitter that a postman was like, "Probably no tablecloth in it when you picked a parcel up." Yeah, I had no. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I I had no idea that he knew what I did because I am not in any way well known, you know. Um, but he he was very funny. He did it in such a perfect kind of. I don't know, like, like a kind of 1970s sitcom postman way. You know, he waited until I was just leaving and then he shouted it in front of everyone. Oh, mate, pull me up the tablecloth. Ah! <laughs> I just sort of stopped and went, ah, son of a bitch. <laughs> this, this is all I'm going to be known for now. Wonderful. Famous in the post office. <laughs> but um, on, a, on, a, on a serious note, Matt, how has the last year been for you? It's been a a cold fucking shit, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, um, yeah, it's, I mean, here's the thing. I can, I can whinge about it and, and it is, you know, it is easy to whinge about it. It's, I'm a live performer and I've spent, you know, it, it's been my only job since I was a teenager, you know, 30 odd years I've, I've been a professional live performer, traveling the world. You know, I spend so much time on planes and hotels, bouncing around, to any country that that for some reason wants my stupid act um <laughs> and within a week last year my entire year's gigs just all got cancelled no. everything you know um the last gig i had before the sort of you know there was a moment when we all knew that the pandemic was a thing but we didn't quite realize what it was you know yeah yeah and during that time the last gig i did was um, it was in a ballroom of a hotel near Heathrow Airport, you know, bog standard kind of corporate event thing. Um, but it was, I, I was the, the, the headline cabaret for a convention of boarding school head teachers, literally from all over the world. So I looked out on a stage at like 50 tables, each one with people from a different country in the world like the worst possible thing to be doing and i immediately started making jokes about how we were all going to die and like, you know you, because you can't not address the elephant in the room you know so i said it's you know i said oh it's absolutely my honor and privilege to be the last piece of entertainment you'll ever see you know? <laughs> and i was like joking oh it's funny and then i get home and that week just i spent the whole week getting emails saying yeah that that tour that's off edinburgh festival that's off uh, that gig in Canada or Australia or Europe, off. And by the end of the week, I was like, well, I've got nothing now. I've got no income. I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. It's so weird. Was it because of that joke, though? 
that everything got cancelled. Well, it wasn't a pandemic, was it? It's probably because of the joke you made. <laughs> let's, let's say it's the pandemic. I mean, that, 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 that joke um, is also currently um, I'm doing awful damage in India. Um, <laughs> that, was a, that, that, was a, that was a bad, bad... No, no. no. Um, it was phenomenal. <laughs> But yeah, so you know, it's been an, an all you know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's been a fucking awful year. Although, you know, I'm lucky that I've got a wife who has a real job and can work at home. So I've been, you know, able to spend more time with her. And, you know, money hasn't been as terrifying as it would be if, if we were both freelancers. So, you know, yeah, a lot of people have got it a lot worse. Um, but having said that, you know, at the moment, I'm just starting to take bookings and the diary is starting to to fill up again and it's it's a nice feeling you know i bet, I bet it is yeah. do you remember what you do <laughs> I, I literally today i <laughs> this sounds ridiculous but today because i've got a gig this coming weekend oh wonderful just a basic box standard gig and it's so nice so I had, I had to get all my props out and like clean them and go okay can i still do this trick Let's just give it a quick. Yep, seems to work. Okay, fine. You know, it's it is weird having not done it for more than a year now. That must be bad. But other than obviously everything you just explained, did you decide to like learn a language or bake or teach yourself anything like brand new at all? Um, kind of. I didn't learn a language. I didn't bake. Um, I I because I'm you know a vain, shallow show business <laughs> asshole. Um, I. <laughs> I um, need the, the uh, if not adoration, then at least, you know, vague tolerance of an audience. Um, so I started a YouTube channel. I started learning how to make like YouTube things. And it, and it started off as just, I will just, you know, sit at my desk where I am now and just talk to a camera and do little vloggy things just to keep, you know, creating something to keep the, the, the sort of artistic, you know, juices flowing. And then I really got into sort of learning how to create good looking videos and, and use cinematography and lighting and stuff. So I've been putting out quite regular YouTube videos and they started out obviously shit, but um, <laughs> because, you know, when you start something, you're shit at it. And, <laughs> but, but it's been, but it, it, I thought, yeah, of course. But then, you know, it's, it, it's been interesting and, and quite rewarding for me to, to every time I put a new video, I'm trying to, set myself a challenge to put something new in it, to learn something, use a new technique, you know, and, and now I'm pretty happy with what I'm putting out and my YouTube channel is slowly starting to grow a little audience. So that's, that's a really nice thing. And I'm going to keep doing that even when the live work, you know, comes back because it's oh, another, nice. it's another sort of avenue for me to inflict myself on. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't get enough of me, you can now look at me online. Oh, I mean, and YouTube is the worst blur. Hey, subscribe, subscribe, turn on notifications, follow me on all the social media. Love me, please love me. It's one in one. Do you feel ridiculous doing it? But if you don't do it, you feel like shit. How are these people going to know where I am? And I kind of got to do this. Otherwise, people aren't going to get me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've just written a script for a video where I basically satirize YouTubers. And I'm going to start it by saying, hi, guys, don't forget to smash that button. And it's oh, it so dirty. <laughs> But, you know, you'd be in the shot like just so unclean, so unclean. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I, I think I spend most of my time going, look, I don't really care about YouTube. It's just a nice outlet for me. But, you know, please subscribe. Please, I need the validation. <laughs> I don't have people clapping anymore. Please, can you do that whole like, 
hit the subscribe button up oh, here. Like, oh. do that here and do that. Yeah, it's like, it's just here. <laughs> there's, there's no way to do it without sounding just awful, without feeling awful. But I think it's just, it's interesting because it's, it feels to me like when I first started, you know, a million years ago as a street performer, a lot of people who start street performing feel really weird about asking for money at the end of their show because it, you know, it, it's like they feel it kind of, it's rude, it, 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 it cheapens the, you know, the glorious artistic experience. You know, it is a weird thing to do to, to, to do a show to a bunch of strangers and then say, right, now you kind of owe me money. You know, it's, it's, and of course, of course they don't, you know, they, they cannot pay. But the beautiful thing about street theatre is enough people do that it works, you know. So for me, it's kind of, you know, saying, please subscribe, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It is kind of like that. It's like, look, I've got to say it because this is the only venue I've got right now. So I'm not going to feel bad about saying, if you like this, then do the things that will mean you get more of it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. makes perfect sense. But it's weird. It is weird. Right, take us back. And so what was the plan for young master Ricardo? Was performance something <laughs> you always wanted to do? Or was it something you like you said you started at 13, but was that like what you literally always wanted to do? No. Um when I was a kid and, and a sort of mid-early teenager, um, I mean I, I was a really shy kid. I, I was I was very shy, I didn't really play well with others, I had a very bad stutter. Um I was all the things that do not make any sort of performer, you know. I never wanted to be in, in front of people doing anything. I was always absolutely happiest locking myself away in my room and like writing a game on my little computer or, or you know, making something or any of that stuff on my own, you know. And um, I had very little idea really what I wanted to do with my life. I think if you had asked me at the age of like, 14 what I wanted to be I really I would not have known you know um but then I went on holiday with my parents to the um it, it's funny I was just there last week um to the Yorkshire seaside town of Whitby uh famous yes. for uh Whitby goth week and being the the place where Dracula um was was set um and they had they had a folk music festival and my parents every year took us on holiday the same week as the folk music festival. I don't know why they had no interest in folk music. <laughs> they, at, at, for, for the every other week of the year, they never showed any interest in folk music, but for one week a year, we'd go to Whitby for the folk festival. And my dad would make me see so many Morris dancers. Um, it was awful. It was it was <laughs> deeply traumatic, um, or, or or at least boring. So, <laughs> but it was but it was there that I saw a gang of street performers called the Fabulous Salami Brothers, and great this name. was in yeah great name. Um, this was in the sort of mid eighties, and they were they were a kind of amorphous like you know sometimes there were like three of them, sometimes there were like ten of them, you know. Um, and they all had fake Italian names that ended in salami. So there was Ricardo salami, there was Mussolami, there was Chipolata salami, you know, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and they were just these grubby little anarchic street urchins who did this brilliant street show and they did like feats of strength and they did like unicycling and magic and comedy and audience participation. And the front man was a juggler. 
And he wasn't a spectacularly good juggler, but he was okay and he was funny and he was charismatic. And from the first time I saw them, they just blew my mind. I mean, I just fell in love with them and with the idea of the street performing, which is something very special. You know, the idea that just by sort of, by skill and craft and sheer force of will, you can turn a place that isn't designed to be a, a venue into a venue. You don't need a theatre. You can just say, I'm going to do it here. And by using learned skills, you can make it into a theatre. You can arrange your audience. You can, you know, it, it's, and you make it into something different and something better just for the time when you're there. And then it vanishes again and it's evaporated and the magic's gone, you know. So I saw their show and I loved it. And I went and saw, I went back and saw every single show they did. And then the next year I came back and saw every single show they did. And slowly I realised I wanted to be them. And then I got myself a book from the library on how to juggle and got three rubber balls from the pet shop in our street and taught myself to juggle. And then I guess two years after that, um, I did my first ever bit of busking just around the corner in Whitby from where I'd seen them. Um, That's amazing. And, you know, yeah. And then from that point on, you know, I mean, I, I, at that point, I, you know, I went to college, I studied child psychology because it, it was interesting. But I knew that I didn't want to do anything with that. I knew I wanted to to be a performer. So I, you know, after that, I washed up at Covent Garden, and Covent Garden was everything to me. It was where I found my real family. You know, all these other people like me who didn't, who you know, who had an idea of what they wanted to do and be and didn't know where to do it. And we all found the piazza at Covent Garden in London, and we all found a place where we could try out the ideas that are in our heads in front of people and if you are good and if you worked hard you could make a modest living out of it and that's amazing and I was 17 when I did that um and it taught me you know that I, I was there off and on for two decades and it taught me oh, virtually everything that is um, how do you come up with the, the sort of like what are you going to do when you're street performing then because obviously you say you're juggling but surely you had other bits in there as well at that point I was a straight juggler um okay. I I always like to use, even from back then, I like to use non-traditional juggling things. So I, I did do, you know, I did some flaming torches and balls and, and stuff, but my finale was um, sink plungers. Um, so my finale was I'd balance one sink plunger on my nose, juggle three sink plungers, let it fall down and go into four sink plungers in a nice big high juggling pattern. That was nice, you know. Um, That's it was just something a bit different, you know. Yeah. Um, I, 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 fun, funnily enough, a few years ago, um, I did a show where I, as part of the show, I, I, I interviewed people on stage that, that I liked, other performers. And one of them was Dave Gorman. And Dave Gorman, oh. when he first started uh, on the cabo circuit, he used to juggle sink plungers. And we were like, dude, we've got this, <laughs> we've got this link. It's so weird. That's amazing. So, you, you, like, was, so juggling was the first thing you learned in your act. That was where it all started from. Yeah, I still consider myself a juggler. I, I, you know, I do other things I do. I mean, obviously, I, you know, I, I, I do comedy. But in terms of skills, I do a little bit of magic, but not really. And essentially, everything I do, I kind of think comes from juggling in that it's all dexterity based. Um, and for me, you know, I, I make up my own definitions here. But for me, um, the thing that sets it apart from juggling is that it's it's dexterity and sleight of hand, but not used to fool you, just used to impress you, you know? Um, 
so yeah everything you know even my tablecloth trick i see that as juggling because it's manipulation of objects i mean it's all pretty fake at this point but um you know what you but yeah and it, 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 and it is true that i i do find it hard to describe exactly what i am you know it, it's you know outside of speciality act or variety artist i usually say juggler and comedian but my my standard cabaret set doesn't really have much juggling in it so i don't know yeah <laughs> what made you want to add more skills to the act other than just your standard juggling because obviously you get people who are like they're a magician but you do tons um i i really like learning things i like learning skills um like in a, a couple of years ago my last sort of edinburgh one-man show was all about that it was all about learning things that people thought i couldn't learn um so for that, I learned uh, knife throwing, lock picking. Um, I learned how to escape from handcuffs while juggling three balls without stopping juggling three balls. <laughs> yeah, it's really silly. Um, um, and and I, I, I'm one of those people that just, you know, I, I am still that kid who was shy and always, and, and, and felt comfort in locking himself in his room and learning something. I'm still that kid. So I, I like having an idea and, and realizing well i can't do that but but the one thing i'm good at is i'm good at learning things so the fun is in getting to the point where i can do it you know um and, and a lot of these things are, are not so hard to learn like lock picking anyone can learn to pick a lock and people should people should learn to pick locks because nobody knows how their front door works you know nobody knows you you put a key in your lock and, and you know how you know you, you know that you put a key in that hole and it opens and closes it you don't know really most people don't know how or why so it's worth learning that um you know and 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 if a, you know if you're young if you're a young person and you learn lock picking later in life it will open a lot of doors i thank you hey. actual joke interview done <laughs> <laughs> that was the ps de resistance right there but then again Matt, oh. if, you, if you notice that burglary rates increase, then nobody should ever <laughs> learn to pick locks or anything. Yeah, it suddenly stops being funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, yeah, the, the, the short answer is I just like learning things. And I'm really lucky in that I've got a job and I've got a tiny little following, but I've got enough of a following where I can say, I'm going to do a show. I'm going to, I've learned some new things. And a few people will, will, will go, okay, cool. Let's go and see what he learned. You know, and that's nice. That's, that's amazing because you've got to have determination as well to actually learn because obviously after a while because obviously like you said everyone's shit at the start and then eventually you'll actually get to it so obviously most people that learn things go oh i'm gonna do this and then half through they go oh do you know what i just i can't be asked i'll just leave that so and usually yeah. when when you get to that point you think you're like halfway through but usually you're like way further than halfway through you know it's it's always that last little push at the end that that gets you to that point, but you think you've got so much further to go, I think. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I, I just like learning things and I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a platform where I can hopefully make them entertaining and, and turn, turn things that aren't necessarily entertainment skills into entertainment skills. What I, what I love about your act though, is it, it isn't the whole performance you have. It, you know, you've got this character as well of the extraordinary gentleman, like the, the vaudeville sort of feel. Where did that come from? And what made well, you want to add like a character to the performance? <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, uh, you, you know, you guys are, are, are wrestling fans, right? So, huge. you know, yeah. So, you know, that, you know, the old saying in wrestling that the best wrestling characters are the real person just turned up to 11, you know, yeah. 
yeah. um, so that's certainly what it is for me. It's it's um, as you can see, I am I am here not in a suit, um, <laughs> but so you know, pe people often like my own agent once my own agent saw me in the hotel in 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 the lobby of a hotel. We walked past each other. And because I wasn't wearing a suit, he didn't recognise me. <laughs> My own agent! I had to stop him and say, Lee, Lee! And he was like, oh shit, Matt! <laughs> um, so, so people think I always wear suits, um, but I do not. But yeah, I, I like, um, I mean, I started wearing suits and, and, and dressing nicely um, when I was a street performer, partly because I liked, you know, street performers are a scruffy bunch. And I really like going against that and, and not being what people expect of me. You know, that's always interesting and, and a good thing to do, I think. Um, so I liked being on the tube, going to work in a nice suit and being in that, not, not that I was ashamed of being a street performer, absolutely proud of it, but I liked that the other people on the train would not have been able to guess what I did for a living. That's fun. Mm. Um, and also the kind of performers, you know, my, my act, a lot of my work is kind of inspired, um, it has its roots in uh, acts of a hundred or so years ago, specifically uh, a genre of performer called the Gentleman Juggler, um, who, who were, you know, for a few decades, big. Um, and these, these performers were always sort of dapper gentlemen who would have a stage set like a bar or a restaurant and they would come in and they'd have a, a cast of like waiters and maybe they'd have a date and, and they'd come in and just play out a scene of a gentleman having a night out, but everything would be a trick. So they'd walk in and throw their hat onto the hat stand, they'd be served soup and they'd spin it on the end of their umbrella and you know, everything would be a trick. And I started researching these old acts and thinking that's beautiful because it's a way of presenting essentially showing off but it doesn't seem like you're showing off it just seems like you're cool you know so it's suddenly you've sidestepped that kind of hey hey do you want to see a trick do you want to see a trick and everyone when someone says that says no nah, okay you know but instead Come of that on. it's like yeah exactly but instead of that you're just hey this is how i do things it's not this you know i'm a gentleman juggler so i don't just take my hat off and put it on that ice bar across the room i you know it's just a it's just a nice way to sort of fuse your art form with your performing character and make it a little bit more seamless and a little bit more interesting. So I started viewing towards that pretty early. And so that's where the suit came from as well. And that's where, you know, the tablecloth trick and I do tricks with bottles and spoons and trays and it all comes from, from that. It's really funny as well. We talk about the tablecloth again. Sorry to go back to it, yeah. but like people have been doing that for ages, but never ever once has anyone gone. What about if I just put it back on? Like yeah. this, I, I, yeah, everyone's like, oh, look at this, and they throw it off and go, look at that. But nobody until you has ever gone. I could put this shit back on, actually. So well, yeah, and and that's that's how you start to think when when you do this for for, for a job. You know, you go because because for a while, pulling it off was my finale. You know, and then you do it enough times and you end up, you know, having a drink in a bar after a gig enough times and you start to sort of think to yourself, well, if I was going to top that, how would I do it? Mm. And I had a few different ideas. I had an idea of pulling the tablecloth off and then appearing something from behind it. I did that once with a small child. Um, what? <laughs> it was very funny. It was for <laughs> one particular show. And it was just, and I, you know, I'll tell you how it's done because it was ridiculous. 
So basically I was performing in front of a closed curtain. So I pulled the tablecloth off and just held it in front of me. And while people are clapping, this kid just climbed through the bottom of, you know, they split in the curtain through my legs. So I could just do that. And, and the kid <laughs> would, would come out of the tablecloth and he just Amazing. turned to me and said, you're shit mate, and walked off. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> But that's not really practical because I, I don't have a child. So I'd have to employ a child to come on tour with me. It becomes a whole thing. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, you know, well, you know, it, it, like almost as a kind of joke on myself, it's like, well, the obvious thing you do is you put it back. And then you start to think, well, would that be possible? And I hadn't seen anyone else do it. So I researched and researched and no one else has done it. There's one guy in like the 30s who claimed that he had done it, but refused to demonstrate the trick, which is not, I don't, you know. Um, so, so yeah, so I just spent a, six months in my bed sit I had then, it was a long time ago, just, you know, trying it and trying it in various different ways and smashing a bunch of stuff. And, I was gonna say, yeah, so much money on. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was gonna say, how much stuff have you smashed over these I years? smashed some stuff, yeah. <laughs> because, because for this trick, you can't use like plastic, stuff because it's too light you have to use china so uh, um but the, you know there's a there's a big catering supply store in, in the west end and they know me very well by now um i walk in and they're like ah, yeah, juggle up you know um so yeah and and then you know i i practiced it and practiced it and you know eventually found the method to do it and i remember vividly i'll never forget the first time it worked and it was in my little bed sitting wood green where my table just about fit in my living space and it came on and it, everything and it worked and i just fell back on the bed just giggling because it's like well if it works <laughs> once now i've got to spend the next year of my life making sure it works every fucking time yeah and that's where the work begins and it's almost evil when it shows you that it's possible because you know oh now it's possible now i've now i've really got to learn it because if it hadn't ever worked it you know that i could easily just go well it's not possible but I know it's possible now, so I've got to fucking learn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's the same with, I do, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but I, I, there's another, a, a slightly more recent routine I've been doing for about five years, where, you know, the, the, the trick where you put your hand on a table with the fingers spread and then you, you sort of bang a, a knife in between your fingers really fast. Yes. Did, uh, yeah, did Terry yeah. Crews shit himself quite a bit or? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Terry Crews, can I just say, Terry Crews smells Delightful. Oh. <laughs> oh, that man. Oh. So I had to bring it up. He is a fucking legend. He's lovely. He's such a nice guy. He's one of those people that let everyone gets on with immediately. I can't. I can't imagine anyone, you know, meeting him and walking away going, "Oh, he's a bit of a douchebag." It's like, no, he's just a delight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, Sorry, so I you learned, No, it's right. So, so I learned that that knife trick. And then I did the same thing as the tablecloth. It's like, well, how would you top it? So you do it blindfolded. So I, I, I put coins on my eyes and I put gaffer tape over my face so I can't see it. And then I do it again. And, and it's great because as I'm doing it, people don't know what I'm doing. It looks really weird. This man sat at a table saying nothing, just putting gaffer tape over his eyes. And then when I get the knife again and people realize you get this lovely moment where people go, oh God, no. Oh no, no, no. It's, I've had such nice heckles in that moment. I've had, I had someone at a club in complete because it's, it's one of those sort of big tension routines where you could hear a pin drop and i had someone at a club from the back shout you don't need to do this <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite i was like yeah but i do you know 
How many times did that go wrong before you mastered it? I mean, a bit. I, I funnily enough, I, I, I use because you know, again, there's no way to practice that other than you put your hand and you get a knife, and the knife isn't very sharp, but still, you know, you're banging a knife a bit in the hand hurts. <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah, I cut myself a bunch of times and I just had a little tube of super glue next to me, and you just do super glue it up and keep going because you've got to learn it. But now it's pretty, it's pretty clean. I can there you go. At the moment, nothing. Completely clean hand. No, no cuts. And I did it a couple of days ago. <laughs> That's mental, but wonderful. But I, I, I did want to discuss actually the mindset that goes into developing tricks. Like, is there a, a thought process you go through when doing it, or is it a simple case of Oh, I've seen that before. I'm going to top that. Sometimes it's, um, I think people approach it in different ways. I've never really been, because I'm not, you know, although I, I'm, I'm at heart and in my roots, a juggler, I was never like a spectacularly amazing juggler. I, you know, I was never one of those circus guys you can put up a million billion things, you know. I was a, a decent juggler. <clears throat> um, so I was never really interested in the tricks that, other jugglers or other magicians would find impressive you know and a lot of people are a lot of people want to almost treat it like a a, a sport you know it's like juggling is always how many you know and i was never interested in that for me i've you know all of these skills have just been a way to to communicate with an audience and and do fun theater you know so i've always thought of what would an audience like to see what would they not see coming that's always fun you know um what what games can I play with the audience? There's a there's a, a a French clown teacher who describes comedy as being based on a game. You play games with each other. Um, so you know there's a there's a, a trick in my one man show that is basically a very serious. I'm not going to give it away because it's too much of a it's too much of a good gag. But um, it's basically a very very serious lead up where I tell the story of a a performer in the 30s who legitimately died on stage doing the trick, and then I I do the trick. Um, but it ends with a kind of punchline. And, you know, the, the trick in that routine is the least important part of the whole thing. The, the most important part is that I can act well enough to really impart that this is a true story, um, that it's serious. I can, I, I can write well enough that I can tell a good story, you know, and then it's got this big funny punchline. Um, so the, the, and, and, and the trick is fairly basic. The trick's not the most important thing, you know, and it's, I think it's like any, it's, it's like wrestling. It's, you know, um, I always use, whenever I'm directing things, which I occasionally do, I always use this, the, the, the wrestling analogy of if you come into a wrestling show halfway through a match and you see two people having a wrestling match, it's fine. It's good. Yay. Hooray. Oh, they did a drop kick. Brilliant. That's great. But if you are a fan and you know who these people are, what their backgrounds are, why they're fighting, who that third person is, why the referee might be crooked, why the crowd is chanting that, you know, all of that stuff. You know the, the year of backstory leading up to this match involving character and betrayal and all that stuff. Then suddenly you are on the edge of your seat before the first punch has been thrown because it's about theatre, it's not about the tricks. And so that's what I try and do. I try and, you know, people think they're seeing <laughs> a kind of silly little cabaret act, which they absolutely are, but, <laughs> but actually use all the same techniques as high level theatre, but just to get a different thing out of them, to get, in my case, a big laugh or a gasp, you know. It's um, a beautiful yeah. analogy. Thank it you. It was. It really is. I don't know if it made any sense. 
It but did to us because we're wrestling fans, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just in awe of you. That's why I just sat here like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I always use wrestling analogies because wrestling is like, I don't mean to diss it because, you know, I love it, but wrestling is like a sort of distilled version of theatre, a sort of simplified idea. You can learn all about theatre by watching wrestling because you can point out what's happening and why and how and what it's achieving. And, you know, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I've, I've, I've got friends who are like, serious like playwrights and directors and i've taken them to wrestling shows and and they've been like oh i get it now oh god no i get it brilliant yeah. oh, this, is, this is clever it's like yes it's clever <laughs> so what i love with is your imagination when it comes to the tricks it's what I, it's, i've never looked at a tablecloth and a yo-yo and thought Do you know what i'm going to use this yo-yo and whip the tablecloth off the table that defines me how your imagination comes up with things like this. But out of all the tricks that you think of, how many would you say are successful? Oh, um, that's a good question. I mean, most, most are because I don't set my sights very high. <laughs> <laughs> Whipping a tablecloth off with a well, yo-yo, you're like, I don't set my sights that high. I was really bored in a, on a gig in Dubai and there was a toy shop, so I bought a yo-yo. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I just popped out of my mind. Um, <laughs> um, it's it's interesting. That's that's a really interesting question. I think a lot of them, a lot of tricks, and this ties into me doing stuff on YouTube. Actually, a lot of tricks, I I'll have an idea and I'll learn it, and I'll I'll learn to do the trick. Maybe not every single time, but but some or mostly. But then I'll think, well, there's not really a place where this fits in my act or my show. And also it would involve carrying around all these extra props. Yeah. So I, you know, quite often I don't bother doing it, but then it's, it, there's a big flight case over there with tons of props in. Um, and occasionally I'll drag it and I'll do it for a YouTube thing. Oh, I'll do it. You know, maybe there'll be some decently paying sort of corporate event. I don't know if, if there's a, a coffee company that want to pay me then i'll do a thing with coffee cups you know one of those things um yeah. there is one thing um that i got really good at and was gonna put in my show and then kind of lost my nerve with it which was um about four years ago when i, I was putting together this this theater show where i i i learned a bunch of new skills and one of them was um someone challenged me to learn the quick draw the 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 cowboy oh yeah fast draw. oh yeah, yeah so i did some research and i found a dodgy guy in manchester who would sell me guns um, <laughs> oh, um not not actual real guns but you know <laughs> dodgy was, guy in manchester sounds trusted well yeah you know um <laughs> there was this it was this guy in manchester who who had a website that sold line dancing stuff and cowboy stuff so he had guns and gun belts so i got a couple of um uh, colt 45 army replica uh, uh blank firing revolvers and i got a mexican quick draw rig which is beautiful gun belt it's all sort of it's gorgeous and i started learning to to to, to quick draw and i learned all the kind of tricks all the spinning and stuff that came pretty easy because i'm a juggler but the actual quick draw i it turned out i had a knack for it you know so there were some things i've tried to learn and just just haven't got there just you know there's still an element of of knack or not knack you know but this i had a i i seem to have an actual knack for and you can get apps that that listen to the sound of a gun being drawn and 
fired, even when there's no no blank in it, just the sound of a hammer coming down. So there's apps that can time you and measure how fast you are. You know, you 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 put the app there, you say go, it waits a random you know amount of time, then it goes beep, and when it goes beep, you have to draw, cock, aim, and fire, and then the sound of you clicking the trigger stop again tells you how long you took. So I started practicing quite hard. And I got world class. I got like I could I could do it. I could draw, cock, aim, fire faster than a person can blink. Like legit. What? Yeah. But <laughs> so I thought, oh, this is brilliant. I'm good at this, you know, because sometimes, you know, things are hard, but sometimes skills come easy. It's like this is coming easy. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm really good at this. Like, and it's a cool skill. And I, you know, I wear a nice suit with a gun belt underneath. How dope do I look? You know, um, <laughs> So then I started writing the routine. So I researched the history of, of the gun and the history, and it's just got a horribly ugly history. You know, it's these are the guns that they always say the gun that won the West, which means the gun that committed genocide on brown people. You know, exactly. And I suddenly yeah. went, do I want to be doing this routine, being the white guy on stage playing with the gun without addressing what this what this tool is actually for? It's yeah. for killing people, you know. And it was a thing that swung a war and helped a, a, a colonization, you know. And I just felt suddenly felt queasy. So I basically I made a YouTube video about it and then saying that. And I just I put it in that box and it stays there. And I've never done it on stage. It was so weird to get to that point and get that little excitement of going, oh, shit, I'm good at this. I'm going to look so cool. And then you suddenly go, yeah, but if yeah, th th there's a bunch of people looking at me who won't see this as being quite so cool. You know, and I don't, I'm, I never want to be, you know, I'm a, I'm a populist entertainer. I want everyone in my audience, regardless of who they are, how they identify, what their background is, I want them to have a good time. If there's one person who isn't, that's my fault. And if I can change, you know, if I could not do something that will help that, I'm going to do that, you know. So, yeah, that, that's a good example of a thing that I, I learned, but stays in that box. <laughs> I mean, has there been anything that you've really, really wanted to work but couldn't get to work? Ooh, um, I, I played for a while. This is, I mean, most of those tricks, it's, it, it's, I can, I can get them to work occasionally, but just not good enough that I can rely on it on stage. So they end up on YouTube or Instagram. But, <laughs> you know, if I can do it enough times and it will work once. Then, then I'll film it. Um, there's a, a trick where I have two tables side by side, both laid with stuff. One's got a tablecloth on, one hasn't. And in one movement, I move the tablecloth from one table to the other table, um, which I, I can yeah. I can do most of the time, but not every time. And I fucked it up once on stage um, in a very big gig. So I lost oh. my nerve with it. I and it didn't matter because, you know, I, I, I talked to the audience enough. I've got enough of a rapport that I could reset the props and do it again. And then it worked. It was fine. But still, you know, it, I, yeah, I think I kind of lost my nerve with that one a little bit. Yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> On the flip side of that, though, are there any tricks that you're like, this isn't going to work? I ain't going to be able to manage this. And then you've gone, fuck me, I did it. Ooh. Um, I wasn't sure about the knife, the blindfolded knife thing. Understandable. <laughs> yeah, that that's one that still um, that that that's the like that's the piece that I is one of my go to pieces. This sounds horribly arrogant. This is one of my go to pieces when I go on TV because it's completely silent. 
um, they can light it really nicely. It's minimal props, you know, and they really like me to do it with celebrities and stuff. Um, whenever I do that, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm sitting there putting on the tape on TV or on stage, I'm always thinking, this isn't gonna always work. There's gonna be a point at which this one just fucks up at some point, but let's hope it's not today. Yeah. And, it, and it usually works. So far it has always worked. Is this the time I shout, ow, my fucking hand on national yeah. TV? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned earlier, you know, we spoke about your live performance, but I think it needs to be noted just how many places you've performed. You know, you've done headline <laughs> shows, theatre residences, street performances, with huge crowds. There's photos on your website of the, the crowds for the street performances are insane. Oh, thank you. And it's like Americans Got Talent. You've even toured with William Regal, as we've said. Mm-hmm. But what was it you think that got people to notice your act in order for all this to happen? Was there like a specific performance, someone special in the crowd, a viral video, whatever it may be? I, I, hmm, I don't think so. I don't think there was. I think it's, it's tempting to sort of see the showbiz, for want of a better phrase, um, as you know, you, you're working for a big break that, you know, and those things do kind of happen, but, but that's rare. Mostly I would say, you know, the way my career has gone, it's just, you just keep plugging away. You just keep working. You just keep doing your damn job. And hopefully you're moving slowly upwards rather than downwards. You know, um, it is as simple as that. And, and the thing that I like, it, and, and one of my strength, strengths, I think, is that I can work pretty much anywhere, you know, um, that's one thing you learn from being a street performer is flexibility in venue and in what sort of audience you're working to, you know, so I've worked in nice big theatres, I've worked, you know, some lovely, lovely big rooms, I've worked on television, I've also worked on rainy street corners and in clubs and, you know, burlesque rooms and cabaret clubs and, and, and comedy clubs and, you know, so I'm, I'm equally at home on a kind of posh, you know, stage in a ballroom in front of a you know i mean without well okay i am gonna i am gonna do a huge name drop um but it's it is the perfect example of this um a couple of years ago i was lucky enough to be the headline cabaret act for a private party for prince charles and and and, and camilla um wow. at, at at his palace at uh, whatever the palace is called it isn't buckingham palace around the corner i oh, know his place his flat. Um, <laughs> his pad. It's, it's a bit more than a flat. Um, and, and, and that's one of those gigs where you kind of think, how the fuck did I get here? You know, when you, you know, I, I have a memory of coming off stage, um, all kind of sweaty and excited, being at the back of the room. And then Prince Charles went on stage and starts talking about me. And, and I'm just like, that's ridiculous. That's Prince Charles. He just said my name. That's I, this is this is literally like a weird cheese dream, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, at the same time, you know that 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 same month, I was uh, flying to Switzerland to do a a festival that was all street shows. Um, they were paying me as a retainer to be there, but I was making money from putting my hat out at the end of the show, and you know. I like that I can that all, that, that all those different kinds of gigs can, can coexist. I think that's one of my strengths, certainly. Um, and I think that helps your career grow. You know, the more people you're in front of, the more, you know, the more work you can do. It's, it's, um, it, it's it, especially now after a pandemic, it's just, I, I take gigs not so much on, are they going to pay me well? Although sometimes, but, um, but, you know, if someone says, 
you know, do you fancy doing this? And it's interesting. And I haven't done it before, or I've done it before and I liked it. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm lucky that I get to do that. I get to have little crazy little adventures. Um, I'm about to, I, I, I'm, Sadly, I cannot tell you what I'm doing on air, but I will happily tell you when, once we stop recording, but I'm about to go on an adventure um, that will take me to, you know, a long way away for, for a, a decent amount of time to do something that I haven't done before. And that'll be fun. And it's, that's the great thing about my job is that people, you know, I think people realize that I can, that they can slot me into a lot of different places. So I think my success, what of it I have, um, is because of that. That was a very long, rambling answer. It was beautiful. Good Everyone grief. listens to us I talk can, all the time, so it's. I can talk, can't I? Well, Jesus, it's beautiful. But that's tied in <laughs> so magnificently with my next question. Firstly, I'm really looking forward to hearing about that after we're recorded. Secondly, um, like you said, you've done your theatre with your one-man shows at festivals on national, international tours. You've been to Australia, South Korea, Finland, Germany. What's it like to do what you love all over the world? It must be an unbelievable feeling. It's, it's the best. It's the best. I mean, you know, the first kind of 15-ish years of my career, I was basically a street performer in London. Now, you know, it was like going to the office four days a week. And then when it starts to take off a little bit and you just, it's such an immense, ridiculous privilege to not only to travel around the world, but to, to meet the people via making them laugh and making them happy. It's, there's nothing better. You know, I've, I've yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I did this beautiful um, comedy festival in, in, in Busan, South Korea, where as I say that, my brain fills with these little fractured memories of having amazing Korean barbecue, getting drunk on a Korean drink called soju, <laughs> which they made me drink. Um, um, it made you drink. They made me, no, they did. The festival director said, "You must drink this. This is this is the Korean drink, and it's like sake. It's amazing." Um, wow. Well, I right. So I'll tell you a, a story from that festival that sums up how surreal, you know. And you know, my career, my life is not always as, as exciting as this. There are long periods where you know you 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 get a bit scared of where the next gig's coming from. That's you know that's the the life of a freelancer, but. So I go to, to Busan, South Korea to do a short run of my one-man show in a comedy festival. And there's, they say, so the first night you get there, there's going to be a small sort of opening night gala thing. And all the acts are expected to do a little bit. So I was like, okay, fine. I get there. The, the small opening night gala has a live audience of 3,000 people and it's being televised live. <laughs> So I, but I didn't know that until I walked into the venue. So I'm like, yeah, we'll just do this and then we'll go and get some. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole thing's got like big corporate sponsorship and I get interviewed by someone and they give me, and this is the point where my brain just melted. They give me um, a, one of those old fashioned sort of glass Coke bottles, all sealed with Coke in it. And it's got me on it. It's got a picture of me on it as part of the label. And I'm looking at it going, it's me. That's me. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm a bit jet lagged. And they're like, yeah, 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 yes. You know, we've done branded co bottles for all the artists. And it's like, yeah, but it's me. <laughs> it's just, just start holding you know, it up next to your face. Like, Look, I've got it. It's it's just over there on my on my mantelpiece. I still have it. Um, 
you know, and then you just go, this is completely ridiculous. And but then, you know, three weeks later, you're being heckled by by drunk assholes in a little club in Soho because they're coked <laughs> off their faces and they want to want to throw plastic beer glasses at you. And, and that's and that's why the job is beautiful, because, you know, it can have all those different textured bits, you know. Just I, wow. <laughs> just incredible. Just shouting these hecklers back to him. Don't you know who I am? I'm on a Coke bottle. I'm you on a, want a fucking bottle. Coke bottle. <laughs> the thing, the thing that, that I always kind of, you know, you, you sometimes life hands you these little moments where you kind of, you know, it sort of shows you where you are and how far you've come and all that. You know, you get these little signs. And I remember, and again, I'm gonna do an awful name drop, but um I a few years ago I was a guest on the Jonathan Ross show and um they that that's filmed in uh london studios on the south bank and i used to do street shows on the south bank so from my dressing room which was next to christina Ricci's dressing room from my dressing room out the window i could see where i used to do street shows and it was that was that's like amazing. it's just beautiful it's like how far have i come well literally like 50 feet you know <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it, that that was just beautiful that 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 gig uh that show has a at that point had an audience of something like 5.6 million so i was thinking and it didn't go out live so when it actually went out i was doing a a, a show in a basement club in soho so i was really looking forward to leaving the venue after the gig and watching all my notifications on you know how many new people are following me on twitter and instagram and all that stuff uh yeah 5.6 million people i got uh, three new followers on twitter Three. three what people just don't like uh tablecloth pulling people it's not, <laughs> not. yeah it's just, yeah still it's three more funny. it's better than kicking the extreme dick. exactly exactly <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but oddly enough that went very beautifully into my next question so i was gonna say i saw you've done like quite a few tv shows like jonathan ross you did a duck quacks don't echo as well yes and hell i even saw you were a consultant on a man from uncle with, oh. with Henry Cavill, how did that come about? It came about because, oh, that was such a fun thing to work on. Henry is a lovely, 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 very <laughs> handsome man. It's because he's like a perfect specimen of a oh, human, let's God. be honest. Though. Honest to God, the first time, and now I am, I am, you know, a, a, uh, uh, I am a, the, the archetypal middle-aged white cisgender heterosexual married man. But the first time I met <laughs> Henry Cavill, this is true, first time I met him, he was um he'd just come off a, a a scene in that movie where he was all in kind of kind of SWAT team like yeah, like, like commando stuff and he had mud all over him and like guns and and stuff and and he had like a a, a big fake sort of smear of blood on his on his face and he came over and said hi i'm henry and i literally went oh hello <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's a whole hunk of man anyway um <laughs> No, that that happened because there's a because in it, it was a Guy Ritchie thing, and, and he had this bit where he wanted Henry Cavill to pull a little tablecloth as part of a being cool Henry Cavill thing. So they just you know did a call out who's the guy for tablecloths, and it comes to me. I'm the tablecloth guy, you know. Um, and it was lovely. It was I went down there for like I was on set for a whole week. Ended up doing you know the way films are. You end up doing working the last afternoon of your week, and for the rest of the week you just sit around doing nothing. But um, it was really, it was really fun, and and it's always I've been lucky enough to be in a, in a couple featured, you know, featured and working on a couple of sort of big movies. 
And it's just always amazing seeing these huge teams of specialists all work together to make this thing happen. It's fantastic. Um, and everyone was lovely. Henry was was lovely. Um, Guy Ritchie was was, was great. Uh, you know, it was it was it's such a fun thing where all you have to do is walk in and go, okay, just just pull it there. Yeah, perfect. There you go. That's it. <laughs> you know, just just pull See it. You yeah, Cheers, just uh, pull it really fast. Yeah, well done. There you go. <laughs> Congratulations. Where's my check? Yeah. <laughs> what other movies have you worked on? I only saw Man from Uncle. Um, I was uh, I, I was in a film, um, and this is the the, the typical you know um, they cut me out of a film. I was in a film that was made in the nineties um, called Funny Bones, um, which is a lovely lovely film, and I can say that because I'm not even really in it anymore. I filmed three scenes for them and they cut me out of all of them except for there's one scene where you can see me in the background except you wouldn't recognize me because it's you know from the 90s and I look different I have hair when I'm young um <laughs> but um it's a film it's got Jerry Lewis in it and Oliver Platt and um oh, who else it got? It's, it's got a bunch of in really interesting people in it and it's got it, it it's about variety and it's got a performer in it called George Carl who is an old vaudeville performer who is now left us, who is my hero. He is a slapstick performer and he's my absolute hero. So to have been in a film, even in the vaguest sense with him, is like, that's my sort of connection to, to the world that I love, you know. But it's a really nice film. It's, it's, um, it's about comedy and variety and um, it's largely set in Blackpool, but it starts off in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a really oh, it's Lee, Lee Evans is in it. That's it, isn't it? Um, it's really worth watching. It's a lovely film. A side note, and I do need to ask a question because according to your IMDb, you're on a show yeah. called What's Up Doc in 1993. I certainly was. What was that? What were you doing, and how did that come about? <laughs> <laughs> um, What's Up Doc was an ITV Saturday morning children's show um, that went up against. I would guess it went up against Live and Kicking. Oh, that'd be why uh, I've never seen it. I was watching Live and Kicking. Of course, so was I. I was on it. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, um, it was presented by Andy Crane. Do you remember Andy Crane? He Name was um, yeah. he was like the successor to Philip Schofield. He was blonde. He was a nice, nice enough man. Um, and it was called What's Up, Doc, because it was all kind of themed around like Warner Brothers cartoons. So that was their kind of thing. It was filmed in Maidstone. Uh, it wasn't very good. But they, I mean, it was fine. It was a Saturday morning for kids. Um, but yeah, they just, you know, that was back in, that was again in the 90s where they kind of, I don't know, they, they, they saw circus acts and variety acts as a, as a thing that could go on television, which you don't really get now, except for on shows where people then judge them, you know. So yeah, I just got asked, you know, to come down and, and the, the piece was, uh, I, I, I did a prop called Devil Stick. You know, Devil Stick is like a, it's a stick where you kind of bat it between two other yes. sticks and swing mm. it around. It's an awful prop. It's really, my wife hates it the most. Whenever I have an idea, which I really do, but occasionally I've had an idea about a devil stick thing. And she's like, no, no, fucking hate devil sticks. No, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and she's right, they are awful. But yeah, I just did a, you know, I, I explained how it works and said that kids should learn it. And then just did a little routine. It was, you know, it's nothing, but. But that's another perfect example of what I was talking about earlier. Of, so that was shot in Maidstone, Saturday morning live. So I went down on Friday night, did the rehearsal, stayed overnight in a hotel, did 
the thing in the morning. It was it all went fine. And then on the afternoon, I went home. And then the following Friday, I had a club gig in Leicester. I remember this vividly. And I didn't have any money. I didn't, I had, you know, I was, I was still a street performer. This was when I was in my very early 20s, just really just starting out, kind of, you know, maybe doing it five years. Um, I, I was skint, so I could get myself to Leicester to do the gig, but I couldn't afford a hotel. So that night, I just, after the show in Leicester, I just went to the, to the big railway station and just slept on the station platform with the intention of getting the first, the first train out in the morning. And I got caught doing that by the station supervisor who recognised me from What's Up Doc the previous week. And it blew his mind that someone that he'd seen on television wouldn't have money for a hotel, you know? But it's like, well, they ain't paid me yet. So, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah but, but that's the yeah, perfect example, sleeping rough the week after you were on television. That's just nuts. But <laughs> let's go back to your uh, the acts that you do. So you also do a show called London Varieties. Oh. Um, packed with collabs, one-off moments and interviews with some unbelievable guests, including a massive hero of mine in Eddie Izzard. Oh, Eddie. I was so jealous when I read that. I was like, that is incredible. Well, because me and Eddie knew, knew each other from way back because we were both street performers at Covent Garden at the same time. So <laughs> we knew each other his mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you cannot see the face. <laughs> the, the mouth is hanging open. Yeah, that's so yeah, no, he was a, he was a street performer. Um, and we used to work the same picture at Covent Garden. So yeah. That is amazing. I, I, yeah, my whole question is just like gone because I'm like, this is just an unbelievable moment right now. And I get to share this. See, you know, when I talked earlier about how you got to travel the world and do what you love, I was like, doing this on a weekly basis over Zoom is literally what that is, is what is for me, is what is traveling the world for you. Mm. Like, just love it. But anyway, back to the question. Um, mm. Where did the whole concept come from? Why do you think, you know what, I'm going to interview some people live on stage and because it, it, it did come from a very sort of specific place. Because throughout my career, um, a thing that kind of dogged me a little bit is the assumption that a variety artist, a, a speciality act is, is dated, is something that existed in the past, but doesn't exist now. You know, that, that people think about musical and variety as a thing that that, that was huge, but then they closed all the musicals and it stopped. And it's, that's, of course, that's bollocks. You know, you close the venues, the acts don't just retrain and get jobs as plumbers, they, they find other venues to work in. So, you know, yeah. the art form, and, and in pretty much every other country except Britain, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's thrived since then. So I, I got a bit annoyed by people going, oh, well, you know, it's, it's you know, I used to get called a sort of retro act and it, and it wasn't meant as a diss but it wasn't you know I, I see myself as fairly cutting edge and I, I do tricks no one's ever done before I'm you know so what I thought I'd do is do a, a few seasons of a show where I, I mixed the my sort of favorite acts from not not a long way in the past but a little in the past you know the heyday of sort of light entertainment and mix them on a bill with my colleagues from now, the cutting edge, you know, the stars, the sort of new cabaret and burlesque and variety, to, to show that although they're generationally apart, they are the same art form and you can mix them and the same audience will like, you know. 
and it, and it worked. It was, you know, I, I had, you know, I had uh, on a bill, I had a, 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 an actor called East End Cabaret, who are two women, um, they, 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 they're not together anymore as an act, but they were very funny musical act, absolute filth, like in just so filthy. Um, and I had them on the same bill as Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee. And Paul and, 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 Paul and Debbie loved them. They loved them. You know, of course they did, because, you know, because all you need to be is good. That's all you need to be, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was really fun putting these bill, bills together of, you know, so if if you like this person, you might come and see the show, and I'll guarantee there'll be other people that you've never even heard of, but you'll become fans of. You know, that was the idea. Um, so then the, the last, I did three seasons of that. The last one, who did I have on the last the last season? I had Lionel Blair. I mean, you know, and, and that was so, right, so here's how I did Lionel Blair, if you pardon the expression. Um, I, um, I, so I opened the show and I did about 20 minutes of stuff and, and I didn't announce any guests. I said, there'll be a special guest. It's a secret. You have to trust me. And luckily, you know, enough people did. And I showed this video on the screen of uh, a Royal Variety show from 1963, I think. Um, and it had a sequence of uh, Lionel Blair and Sammy Davis Jr. doing a tap dance together. And it's just beautiful. These two guys in their prime doing this super cool, like, you know, challenging each other with tap steps. And, and I, I show that and I just went, look at that, look at that. Should we meet one of them? And people just went, what? And I bought a lot of them. They went nuts. Because it's like, yeah, you've just shown this guy's been doing amazing things for decades. And now here he is in this little basement in the West End. And he's going to talk to us about his life. And he was wonderful. He was great, you know. Incredible. That's incredible. So it's so Lovely. fun to do that stuff. That's amazing. Um, I must say, I know we briefly touched on your YouTube page at the start of yeah. this. And I made a note of it here because I want everyone to please go check out Matt's YouTube page because it's a treasure trove of great content, especially because now you said you only just started it. You know, there's performances, tricks, there's vlogs, and you're very open and honest about your mental health as well, which I really respect. There's tons of, including what I absolutely love, and I'm going to do them because there's a tutorial on how to juggle. Like five yes. part, I think. I can't juggle. So I was like, I'm going to try and watch Matt's videos and see if I can learn how to juggle now. This is my little challenge to myself. Awesome. I absolutely love it. But is there like a particular thing of yours that you may suggest to someone to seek out, to get a feel for what you do, whether it be on the channel or wherever else on the internet? Just people that may not have heard of you or listened to this. Ooh. I don't know. I mean, on the channel, there's a kind of there's a little sort of intro video that kind of sums up who the hell I am and 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 what I think I'm doing. Um, um, so, I, so I guess I guess that. Um, although you know, um, if you if you put in my if you go to Google and put in Matt Ricardo GIF, um, then I I'm pretty sure you'll get uh, a tiny little GIF of of me doing the two tables, one table coffee trick. So that that pretty much sums it up. Human gift, that's me. <laughs> that's when you know you've made it. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, I'm a fucking gift now. I just need to be a meme and I've completed the set. <laughs> occasionally, occasionally on Twitter or something, someone will do one of those threads that says, you know, what, what gift best represents you? And I was like, ha ha, I've got my own gift. <laughs> 
I just realized there was one of your tricks I meant to mention earlier and I completely forgot. And I remember watching it. I think I've shown about 10 people now and every single one of them has had my reaction from the intro of fuck off. <laughs> that is the tri- a pyramid of like six glasses mm. with cloths in between them balanced on a knife in your mouth. Yes. What, how, why, what, how did that come about? That I mean, is mental. That I think you'll find is a useless skill. That has no application <laughs> in real life at all. There's no, there's no point where that's going to be useful, is it? Um, that, well, that, was, that, that one was challenged to me. There was an old act, uh, a guy called Uno Lanka, who used to do a version of that trick. He didn't have as many glasses, and he used to have a, a, a rubber ball that went underneath the bottom glass and sat on the thing in his mouth. And I realized, and I was challenged to learn that trick, and I realized that the rubber ball made it easier. It's one of those things that makes it look harder, but actually it makes it easier because it reduces friction because it's rubber. So it makes it an easier trick. So I did this whole thing in a show about, he's doing it the easy way, I'm gonna do it the hard way. So I did it with more glasses and then I pulled the cloth and he didn't pull the cloth. Yeah, so that's that's an example of one of the things I like to do a lot, which is take a trick from decades ago that no one's doing, and then learn it and then improve it, put my twist on it, develop it. And that's, that's key. You know, it's like there's a, a, a YouTuber called Kirby Ferguson, who I'm a big fan of, and his whole thing is culture is remix. Everything is remix. And it's really true. So you take an old trick, you remix it to make it something new and something like hopefully better. And then hopefully in a, you know, in a few years down the line, there'll be someone younger than me who will take that and make that even better. You know, and that's how you know, for want of a better phrase, culture develops, if you can call juggling tricks culture. <laughs> so before we start wrapping up, I did, I did want to mention like, the fact you're also a writer. You've written articles for several magazines and blogs. And on. How did that, how did you get into doing that? And do you write about like different things or is it like a general topic that you talk about? It's, um, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've always written for, for, for my shows, you know. Um, being yeah it's i just really like it sounds really weird i i i'm a huge reader i'm the son of two librarians um you know i i i like reading and i like writing and i always wanted to to be a writer i always wanted to to again it's a, a learning a new skill i wanted to learn to to try you know to be a good writer or at least a decent writer and also you know you mentioned mental health stuff I write a lot about mental health stuff and I think the act of writing about something that is painful makes it less painful, both for the mm. person writing and for the people reading. Um, so yeah, it, it's, and you know, the internet, don't forget that I'm old. So when I first started doing this, there wasn't an internet. And, you know, I, I would dream about writing a, a column for Time Out. That was my big dream. And I ended up once writing a piece for Time Out and it was like, ha ha, awesome. But now the internet, I mean, I say now, the internet's not new now, but, but you know, the internet is this brilliant um, platform where if you want to create something, whatever format it is, whether it's writing or a video or music or whatever, you can share it and anyone that likes it can consume it. And it's just this beautiful egalitarian thing and there's nothing to stop me writing. There's no reason I shouldn't be writing if I want to write, you know. Um, so it can be a more pure experience. It can be, you know, I, I've got some thoughts I want to write about. I can do it. I can put it up on my website. And if anyone reads it, great. And that's lovely. 
so yeah, you know, I'm, I, I, I've enjoyed writing. I am currently um, two chapters uh, away from the end of a book, which hopefully one day we'll, we'll find a publisher. Um, and yeah, I, 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 it, it's a nice skill to, to keep trying to get better at. Absolutely. Amazing. I mean, going back to the mental health sort of stuff, obviously you're in a buster for brainstorm. Yes. I read, yeah. Um, did you want to talk about that briefly? Because what, sure, exactly, what exactly about is brainstorm? Brainstorm is a uh, Hong Kong based uh, uh, media, um, <laughs> I want to say empire, but it's really not an empire. It's just <laughs> some people on a website. Um, it's, <laughs> um, it's, it's uh, a media company, I guess who um yeah who, who are mental health focused they produce um uh, they have shows on hong kong radio and they do podcasts and they do uh, you know lots of different sort of multimedia stuff all focused on mental health and um and yeah no i've i've, I've written some bits and pieces for them and i've uh, done a, a a short series of pieces for their radio program um which i've never heard because it goes out in hong kong and it's been a while since i've been to hong kong um and yeah, it's it's just super nice to have anyone you know want to. I don't know. Um, it's nice that anyone thinks that my thoughts and feelings um, about this stuff is worth promoting. You know, that's that's very nice. Um, and uh, I think you know, with, with mental health, you know, I I, I suffer from. Well, I live with uh, anxiety and depression and OCD, and uh, I am I am medicated. Um, and I think that this, there's still, even in this day and age, there's a ridiculous amount of stigma that people don't want to talk about that stuff. And it's just, it's just an illness, you know, it's just like a broken leg or uh, the flu or whatever. It's just a thing, you know, that you can, that you can treat or, you know, if you can't treat it, then don't run on that broken leg for a while, you know? Um, so I think talking about it, even if, as is happening now, even if you're not saying anything of any great wisdom, still the act of saying, well, this is a thing, lots of people have it, I have it, eh, deal with it, you know. Um, yeah. If it makes anyone feel uncomfortable, then fuck them. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. I mean, like you said, there's, there's so much stigma these days. Like, obviously, last week, I, this is going out in about two or three weeks' time, but mm -hmm. Mental Health Awareness Week was last week, and I think it's massive to talk about it, especially because, like, obviously, male suicide is absolutely huge at the moment. Yeah. Um, because obviously back in the day, we had this conversation with someone else on, we had an interview on Friday, you know, Jay made a comment like back in the day, but like, I am man, I don't talk about feelings. I, you know, I just kill, eat and sex and all that sort of stuff. And I think that... <laughs> Sums us up quite well. Well, pretty much, yeah. Um, but so like men, almost back in the day, men were taught not to talk about it. Like, it's not okay to cry, it's not, but it is, it always is. It's, you know, it's everyone should talk about it. And I think people should talk more about it. We should probably never stop talking about it. Let's just yeah. all talk about it for the rest of our lives. The idea that 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 your emotions, that that expressing how you feel inside is something that is gendered, is just completely absurd. It's mental, you know? isn't it? Um, but the, yeah, the idea, you know, is is it's such an old idea, but it is does still exist that men are expected to be kind of stoic, and it's like it, it's. It's so powerful to say that hurt me, that thing that happened, it upset me. And now for a couple of days, maybe I'll be a bit shit, you know, and yeah. that is how you affect change and how you affect understanding. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, yeah, beautiful, beautifully put. Thank you. Um, 
Tom, before we start wrapping up, have you got any more questions, my friend? One more. Mr. William Regal. Yes. Just because I'm curious to know how you guys became friends. <laughs> um, oh, I love William Regal. He's, I mean, obviously, you know, I was a fan of his before your friends. He is um, my favourite wrestler. Um, I, I have told him this, that I have ripped off a couple of his facial expressions for little moments <laughs> in my show. Because, because he's the best at it. He is. Um, he's the best at that sour face, that, 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 that look of disdain for your audience. Oh, I love it. Um, so, we, yeah, we, um, we started following each other on Twitter because he, he um, describes himself, because he's a big fan of variety and, and stuff, he describes himself as a, a pro wrestler and a turn, you know, like an act. Because mm. in his eyes, correctly, you know, pro wrestling and, you know, what he does and what I do, they're very, very similar. And they come from the same place. You know, professional wrestling comes from musical. It, it, we all, you know, we have the same roots. So I noticed that he referred to himself on Twitter as an act. So I messaged him and said, ha, I really, I really appreciate that. And we just started talking. And this is a, a long, long time now. Um, and then we just started sort of, talking to and fro and um there was a moment where but there was a, a, a slight running gag where we would um text each other where we are so i would say because i would always be in some shitty club in you know some shitty town so i would say i mean you know not not that leeds is a shitty town i really like leeds but i'm just using it as an example i would say you know i'm in a a, a leaky damp dressing room in leeds you know i've just changed in the toilet you know and he'd go, oh, I'm backstage uh, at the, you know, so-and-so arena, 30,000 people out there. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> and then one night I was doing this gig. This is such a weird story. I was doing a gig in Norwich. that was like this sort of all night party thing. I forget what it was called, but it was really fun. And the headliners were, do you know the old Northern soul band, The Selector? No. It's no. classic ska band from like, back in the day with their lead singer is this woman called Pauline Black and she's hard as nails and gorgeous and they're so cool, they're so cool. Um, and they were the, the, the headliner and I was basically supporting them. But there was an issue with their travel, they had to leave early. So <laughs> I, I got put on after them, which is really wrong because no one had come to see me they'd come to see the fucking selector one of the greatest ska bands of all time so i texted regal and said got a good support band tonight and uh, be supported by the selector because he, he's a huge northern soul fan so we just started joking and basically we um the next time he was in town uh, with WWE doing a, doing a Raw at the O2. He said, come down, we'll hang out. I interviewed him um, for, for, a, for a podcast that I was doing at the time. But it was really just an excuse to hang out. And since then, you know, I've worked with him in a bunch of shows that, that you know, he does spoken, uh, spoken word shows. I, I like play with him on stage and do silly things and we sort of collaborate. And, you know, whenever he, you know, whenever they come and to, to the UK and tour, we always kind of hang out and it's, it's nice. It's good. He is, um, it, 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 it's almost a shame that he is not more well known outside of wrestling because, um, you know, he's a mine of information into and, and craft and art and skill in terms of performance and not just wrestling, but any kind of performance, you know, he's, he, you know, he was, a, you know, when he was in the ring, he was a, a great technical wrestler, of yeah. course, but 
more importantly than that, he was a fantastic performer. He was a fantastic comedian, yeah. and you know. Oh yes. Um, so yeah, you know, I think I think um, yeah, everyone can 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 learn from Regal, and I I certainly have. Amazing. Beautiful. So, with the world slowly reopening, what's uh, next for you? What have you got planned? Um, I, I, yeah, I've got a gig at the weekend. It feels weird. <laughs> it feels weird having, you know, going on a train to a place to do a show and then coming home. Um, it, it'll be nice. Um, yeah, my, you know, the, the, the diary has been empty for, for a year. Um, and now gigs are starting to come in, which is which is really nice. Um, I, I've, I've got some travel planned, a bunch of things that I have to cancel, you know, the international gigs that I have to cancel. Last year, they're starting to say, right, we're going to reboot all that stuff next year. And so fingers, fingers crossed. Everything crossed. I really hope that, you know, this is a way out now that we start to get back to some sort of normality. Because it's never going to go back to the way it was. But No, it, it's weird. I'm, I'm, I'm going in to I, it, I'm going into the West End tomorrow just because I have an appointment. And I've been fully vaccinated now. But I'm thinking awesome. well, I'm probably still going to wear a mask. It just, it feels, well, it might be safer for everyone and me. So I might as well, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, it's this whole readjustment about, you know, getting back around people. It's it's going to be weird for people, I think. I agree. I think it's going to take some time before people yeah. start trusting people. As yeah, well. exactly. But if I ever see any on your pages or sites where you're coming anywhere near Birmingham where I'm based, I'm going because I need to see your at live. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I, I, I certainly hope I, I, I do. Yeah. Right. Before we get out of it, we like to play a little game with our guests, if that is oh, OK with you. Certainly. It's called the quick fire round. We ask you five questions that you answer as quick as possible. It's as simple as that. OK, hit me. I love it. First question. Your go to karaoke song. Oh, I don't sing karaoke. I cannot sing. I'm one of those guys who can do a bit of everything. You know, I can dance, I can juggle, I can do, I cannot sing. Um, having said that, it would be a Public Enemy song. Um, oh! <laughs> because, so, so my sound check, my, my, my basic radio mic venue sound check is a couple of verses of Public Enemy. So. Phenomenal. <laughs> Not the answer I expected. That is beautiful. Ah. <laughs> what is the best impression you can do? Uh, I can do uh, Alan Sugar in 0.3 of a second. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. How do you take your tea and tea slash coffee? Do not drink tea. Um, I take coffee um, in a uh, small espresso cup that I'm holding up to the webcam now that I stole from a private members club. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, I like a nice, strong Italian espresso, no sugar. Um, just hit me with the drug, man. <laughs> <laughs> who would play you in the movie of your life i have once been referred to as looking like ld jason statham which i think is just because i'm basically bald and british but i'll take it you know yeah, take it. why not ld jason statham's still pretty good so <laughs> And the last one, a piece of advice you would give to younger version of yourself. Oh, man. Um, oh, there's no short answer to this. Go for it. Doesn't have to be short. It's, it's the, the, 
the the stupid the the thing okay this is going to get emotional the 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 ideas you have in your head that no one else gets they're the right ideas that you know it, it's good to listen to other people but if there's something that you fixated on that is meaningful to you um and if you can't get it out of your head like i couldn't then go all in and fucking make it happen invest it with all of your heart and your mind and it will go into something i love that there you go that's beautiful <laughs> i love that matt thank you so much for doing this this has been absolutely amazing it's been so much fun before we let you go though are there any plugs social medias any websites you want people to go check out all the social medias um yeah i mean please do come and check out my youtube channel it is where i'm doing most of my uh, performing at the moment um so uh yeah it's youtube matt ricardo um i'm also matt ricardo uh, as was pointed out with one t and matt um on uh, <laughs> twitter and instagram so yeah um come and follow me on all those things if you want to see more of what i do then it's on youtube or go to my website mattricardo.com and uh yeah thanks nice. see you amazing been glorious thank you so much for taking thank the time you so much. we've loved absolutely love talking to you it's been amazing thank you so my much pleasure. my friend thanks so much hey there i'm frank Bugliamelli, and i'm the narrator for the audio drama feed featuring such audio dramas as bounty hunters marty and mars val toby and so much more you can find all of these wonderful programs on spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can go to our website at www.audiodramafeed.com. We are thrilled to be affiliated with the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie.